0: Let's ask God to help us to understand his word this morning. Let's pray. Our Father, we do acknowledge now that you are the all-wise God. Uh, So help us to turn to your word this morning with humble hearts, ready to receive and believe what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, come back with me now into the world of 2 Corinthians. I'm sure that you'll remember that little church there in uh, Corinth was one that... Uh, The Apostle Paul uh, first started. He was the guy that first brought the gospel to the city of Corinth. He was instrumental in sharing and explaining the gospel with the people that were there. One by one, they became Christians, and then a a church formed. It seems that after some time, Paul moved away from this city, uh, moved out of Corinth to go to other places and share the gospel with people elsewhere. But it seems that in his absence, That certain false teachers have now infiltrated the church there in Corinth. Certain people are now teaching a different gospel to the gospel that Paul brought. They're there teaching a false gospel. And the way that these false teachers have been convincing people that their gospel is true and not the Apostle Paul's gospel is by undermining Paul's reputation, uh, by sullying his name. You see, if the credibility of the messenger is in doubt, then so too is the credibility of the message that that messenger brings. So these false teachers, they've been saying all sorts of things about Paul. He's self-seeking, he's weak, he doesn't come with God's authority. And the net result of all of this is that the people there in Corinth are now in real danger of being misled to follow a different gospel. So this morning's passage, what we're about to work through, you'll see that it's essentially Paul trying to defend his reputation. Uh, But what we need to realise is that as we see him defending his reputation, what he's trying to do, his ultimate aim, is not to have people look upon him with admiration. Uh, Paul's aim is not to have more friends to put on Facebook. His ultimate aim is to have people believe the gospel. That's what he's setting out to do this morning. And as he sets out to defend his reputation, his reputation, um, he's trying to, in fact, defend the gospel. The first thing that Paul does is he tells the Corinthians what he has not done. He tells them what he has not done. He tells them that there's not a single thing that he has done that could be considered a stumbling block. He's done absolutely nothing that would discredit his ministry. Look with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 beginning at verse 3 he says we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited see Paul has done nothing that would discredit his ministry he's never had an illicit affair he's never stolen money from the church he's never been drunk he's never shown himself to be a hypocrite he's done nothing wrong he's not claiming uh sinless perfection here But what he is doing, he's making a very, very bold claim. He's saying, hey, Corinthians, if you consider my life, you'll know that there's nothing that you can come up with that will show that I've done that that would discredit the gospel that I've brought to you, that would discredit my ministry among you. But as Paul defends his reputation, it's not just what he hasn't done that's important. It's what he has done that is important too. You see, Paul has suffered terribly for the sake of these Christians. He's struggled for them. He's uh, been wonderfully gracious and loving towards them. And all of this, all of that which Paul has done, shows that he is a true servant of God. Look with me at how Paul describes what he has done from verse 4. He says, rather, as servants of God... through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. You see, the way that Paul has lived his life, All that he has done, the the sacrifices, the hard work, the transparency, the genuine care, well, all of it commends him to the Corinthians as a true servant of God. The false teachers, the way that they've been slandering Paul and bringing uh, down his reputation, it's not true. All the Corinthians have to do is to consider all they know about Paul and they'll see that that's the case. The false teachers... They shouldn't be believed. So if this is the truth about Paul, what should the Corinthians now do? Well, they ought to open wide their hearts to Paul. You see, Paul has again and again put his life on the line for the sake of these Corinthians. Why? Because they're so dear to him. He loves them so much that he's willing to go through all of this for them. He's got such an affection for these Corinthians, and yet it seems that Paul is getting nothing in return. The Corinthians, they're no longer listening to Paul. They've become suspicious of him. Uh, They've been keeping Paul at arm's length. They've bought the lie of the false teachers, and it's not the way that it should be. They ought now open wide their hearts to Paul in the same way that he's opened wide his heart to them. Read with me from verse 11. Verse 11. We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Notice there's a real tenderness in Paul's words here, isn't there? You know, he's... He, say, he says that he's speaking them to them as to his own children, his own kids. Now, I'm not a dad, but I suspect uh, that there would be little more painful in life than having one of your own kids despise you. You know, to have uh, that one that you love so much, reject that love that you have for them. Well, I reckon it was with that kind of pain that Paul wrote this letter You know, he thinks of these Corinthians as his own children. He's got such a love and affection for them. And now Paul's great desire is that they would return the affection that he has for them. That they let him inside their hearts. That they come to love him as he loves them. That they once again come to accept him and to listen to him. But if Paul's concern is that the Corinthians come to have this intimate relationship with him, it's also his concern that the Corinthians cease having their intimate relationship with the false teachers. Paul goes on now to use the image of a yoke. You know what I mean by a yoke? Uh, that, That wooden frame that you put over the necks of oxen to fasten them together you know, so that you can use them together to plough a field or use them together to to pull a cart. You know, when two animals are yoked together in that way, it means that they have to stay together. They can only go in the one direction. They're fastened together. And so Paul is using that image here as a metaphor, a metaphor of, of, of an intimate relationship. Now Paul tells the Corinthians not to be yoked together with unbelievers. They're to no longer associate themselves with these false teachers. They shouldn't be fastened together with them any longer. Why not? Because the the Christians in Corinth have absolutely nothing in common with these false teachers. The Christians have God's Holy Spirit living in them. They have become temples of the living God. For them to now be fastened together with these false teachers... Well, that would be a little bit like having Jesus tied together with the devil. It's just not right. You'll get the idea with me as we read from verse 14. Look with me here. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial or the devil? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. You see, the Corinthians, they must now separate themselves from these false teachers. Uh, They mustn't be fastened to them any longer. It's a matter of purity. It's a matter of holiness. It's a matter of reverence for God. God. Well, all right then, can you see what uh, Paul has done so far in this passage? He said, make room in your hearts for me, Corinthians, as a true servant of God. Have an intimate relationship with me. Have an affection for me. But stop in that intimate relationship that you have had with these false teachers. Don't be yoked together with them. Don't let them inside your heart. That's not the holy thing to do. And now with one last impassioned plea. Paul finishes this morning's passage and I think he, he, he uses words here that I love because they are so full of passion. You'll notice as we read the, the verses we're about to that Paul doesn't use his position as Christ's apostle to scold these Corinthians for the way that they've treated him. You'll see what he does is he actually he uses words of tender, loving care. Look with me, chapter 7, verse 2. Chapter 7, verse 2. Paul writes, make room for us in your hearts. We've wronged no one, we've corrupted no one, we've exploited no one. Do not say this to condemn you. I've said before that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. I have great confidence in you. I take great pride in you. I'm greatly encouraged. In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Aren't they wonderful verses? It's Paul's fatherly, coming, fatherly love coming through here again, isn't it? He's not trying to tear them down. That's not what dads do. He's trying to build them up. He has such a fatherly pride for these people. He looks upon them with a fatherly joy. He says he's even willing to die for them. I mean, dads who are here this morning, I mean, which, which of you wouldn't rip out one of your kidneys and give it to one of your kids if you knew that they needed it? Which of you wouldn't take a bullet for one of your kids if you knew that it would save them? Well, Paul says it's that it's that way in which he considers these Corinthians. And I guess when you consider all that he's been through, or the way that he's lived his life. Paul's not exaggerating here. He's put his life on the line again and again for this mob. So now Paul exhorts the Corinthians to accept him into their hearts as one who truly cares for them. He calls upon them to return the affection that he's had for them. That's this morning's passage. So then, how do you think we're going to apply this particular passage in our lives. Well, this morning there are three points of application that I would like to make. The first first point of application is one for all of us. You see, time and time again through this series on 2 Corinthians, we've been left with this understanding that we can truly trust Paul, that we can truly believe the message that he brought, that we should never listen to those people who even today berate the Apostle Paul and look down upon him. Well this morning I think that we can repeat that application. We really can believe this message that he brought we really should believe this message that he brought but this morning I want to take the application just a little bit further because I want to tell you this morning that as you consider the Apostle Paul, as you consider his life as you consider all that he did all that he went through Well, friend, your heart ought to leap for joy and affection when you consider this man. I think that it is right and appropriate that Paul hold a special place in the hearts of all of us who are Christians. I know that you've never met the man. I've never met him either. I know that he's been dead for a long, long, long time now. But I don't think that that doesn't mean you can't love the man. You know, I never met my grandfather before he passed away. But as I learn about my grandfather, you know, his personality, his kindness, his uh, sense of humour, his Christian dedication, I can't help but love my grandfather. I can't help but take a pride in him. I can't help but have an affection toward him. Well, as Christians, I think Paul ought to hold a special place in our hearts. We can consider him with a pride and affection. Don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about any kind of Paul worship here. That would be idolatrous and just plain wrong. We worship Christ alone and Paul himself wouldn't have it any other way. But you know what? Beside Jesus himself... I'm not sure that there is a single human being who has ever lived, who has done so much as to ensure your salvation, as has the Apostle Paul. In a very real sense, Paul went through all that he did in his ministry, not just for these Corinthians alone, but for you and for me also. I think we sit here this morning as Christians reading this letter as evidence of that fact. I hope that you thank and praise God in heaven for the Apostle Paul. I hope that he holds a very special place in your heart as he does in mine. The second point of application that I have for you this morning is specifically for all of us who are in some kind of pastoral role. And you know that includes ministers and elders and kids church leaders and youth group leaders and Bible study leaders, you know who you are. Those of us in some kind of pastoral role. Well, friends, Paul describes himself in this passage as a servant of God. Now, we who are in pastoral roles here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church are certainly no apostles. But like Paul, we are servants of God. And like him, we have people who are in our care. I think, therefore, as we read this passage, we gain a lot of insight into how we ought to relate to those people who are in our care. I think that as Paul was to these Corinthians, we ought to be to the people who are in our care. For starters, we who are in pastoral roles ought never do anything that would ever discredit our ministry. We ought never do anything that could ever be a stumbling block to those people who are in our care. You know, if as I say this, the Holy Spirit is placing his finger on your heart in an area of your life that is inappropriate for those who are in pastoral roles, then friend, you will deal with it, won't you? Because remember, it's not just the reputation, your reputation that's at stake. It is the reputation of the gospel. At stake is the eternal destiny of those souls that are in your care. So put no stumbling block in anyone's path, will you? On the other side of the coin, uh, like Paul, I think we ought to be commending ourselves as servants of God in every way. Living lives that demonstrate a true affection and fatherly care for those we're responsible for. What will that mean? Well, it'll mean living lives of sacrifice for those in our care. Being gracious towards them and loving them being patient with them and persevering with them, being genuine in all of our dealings with them, showing a real sincerity. It'll mean a preparedness to suffer for those in our care. Now, I doubt that in modern-day Australia that will require beatings or imprisonments or hunger like it did for Paul, but it may very well cost you in other ways. It will cost you in terms of your time, time you may otherwise spend with your family, or relaxing, or being involved in some sort of recreational activity. It will cost you with regards to emotional and and physical energy. Ministry is draining. It will cost you with regards to privacy. Opening up your heart to people involves sharing your life with them. Being on display, it will cost you financially. Our ministry materials, hospitality, supporting those in need, it all costs money. Friend, I wonder if the people in your care are able to look at you and say, wow, there, there is someone who has really opened wide their heart to me. There is someone whose life demonstrates a true concern that I know and live by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, think of those that you're responsible for as your own children. Care for them with a fatherly affection. Give them a place in your heart. And as you do, I guarantee you'll find great joy in them. Now, if I can just be a little bit indulgent for a moment, can I say how I find a great joy in you all? You know, as I read about Paul and the way that he cares for the Corinthians, the truth is I feel really quite inadequate as a person in in a pastoral role here. I know that I've still got lots to learn and I I really do ask for your forgiveness in those times that i failed to love you. But I do love you. And I can honestly say that there is no job that I would rather have than being right here, serving you all with the gospel. The fact is, as I talk about you you with my family and my friends, I talk about you with a tremendous pride. You are a real joy in my life. And I thank God for you. As you file out this morning, there's a big hug for each and every one of you. (laughs) Someone asked me at the Thursday night Bible study if I'd be willing to die for you all, like Paul was willing to die for the Corinthians. (laughs) I don't like pain. (laughs) Let's just say, if it was a matter of the gospel, then I at least hope that I would be willing to die for you. Maybe you can pray that I'd love you more and more and more. Finally, this morning, I have an application for those who are in the care of others, you know, for those who are being cared for by those people in pastoral roles that I just talked about. Firstly, let me exhort you to never, ever allow yourself to be yoked together with unbelievers. Don't ever allow yourself to be fastened to someone who teaches you anything other than the true gospel of Jesus Christ as you find it in the scriptures. I don't care if that person is from this church or any other church. I don't care if that person is the sweetest, gentlest, funniest, sincerest person on the face of this earth. Friend, that person is a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. They are under the reign of Satan himself. You, on the other hand, are the holy temple of the living God. So as a matter of purity, as a matter of holiness... As a matter of reverence for God, do not allow yourself to be yoked together with them. Don't let them into your heart. On the other hand, once you have found teachers who believe, a teacher who believes and lives out the true gospel of Christ, once you have found someone who has a true and genuine concern for you, you will let them into your heart, won't you? Don't ever come to think of your Christian teachers as you would, say, a a university lecturer. Don't think of those who pastor you in some kind of cold or distant manner. Rather, think of them as you would your own father. That'll mean having a true affection for them, honouring them, obeying them, accepting their discipline when the need arises. Because, you know, if they truly do have your best interests at heart, if they are truly labouring to see you understand, believe and live out the gospel, if they do have a fatherly affection for you, if they have opened wide their hearts to you, then responding to them in this way is the only appropriate thing to do. It's nothing more than a, a fair exchange, as Paul puts it. Open wide your hearts to them as they have opened wide their hearts to you i don't know about you but i need prayer at this point so let's pray and ask god to help us to really apply his word in our lives our father and our god we do thank you for the apostle paul we thank you for the way uh, you used him We thank you for his faithfulness and his willingness to put his life on the line for the sake of the Corinthians and in a real sense for us too. Father, give us a warm appreciation for Paul as your servant who did so much for us. Our Father, we pray for those of us in pastoral roles, for those who teach and hold authority in this church. We pray that they would lead upright lives of godliness never ever putting a stumbling block in anyone's path rather may they commend themselves as your servants loving those in their care with a fatherly affection willing to do all that it takes to see them live out the gospel of christ and we pray for those of us who are in their care that we would never be yoked together with unbelievers but that we would rather open wide our hearts to your servants alone, showing them honour and respect and loving them like fathers. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.